Isaiah chapter 37, I'd like to begin reading in verse 14. The Bible said in Hezekiah, received the letter from the hand of the messenger and read it. Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And then Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, saying, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubs, you are God and you alone. Of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear, and open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste to all the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were not gods, but works of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, save us from his hand, that all kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord and you alone. I want to preach and teach for a little while this morning on what do we do When trouble comes our way. What do we do when trouble comes our way? As we look back to chapter 36 of Isaiah, we find that in the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, that the king of Assyria came against all the fortified cities of Judah and took all of them by storm. Then he sent a message to King Hezekiah saying, Make peace with me and surrender to me, and I will let you eat from your own vines and fig trees. I'll let you drink water from your own cisterns until I come to take you away. You cannot defeat me, for I've destroyed all the cities that were in my path, and I've burned their gods with fire. None of their gods could deliver them from my hand, and neither will your God. I'm sure that when Hezekiah got up that day that he thought that he would have just another routine day in the kingdom, that he would go about his normal kingly duties and responsibilities, and that he would, he wouldn't have, he would never have thought that trouble of this magnitude would have came his way. He would have never thought that trouble like this, would have, he would have received a letter with a threat about the kingdom. Whether we want to admit it or not, there will be days when trouble and trials come our way. When you look in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, it said that you, may, you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, but He makes His Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. We would like to think that trouble would never come to us just because we're Christian. We would like to think that there would never be a struggle in our life. We would like to think there would never be a tragedy in our life. We would like to think that there would never be any disturbance that comes along just because we're a Christian. But Job summed it up in chapter 14 when he said, man that is born of woman is a few days and a full of trouble. 
You see, trouble may come in many different varieties and many different ways. It may come in the form of a single catastrophe or it may come in the multitude of, a, of small things that come upon you that plague your life like, a, 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 like locusts. It may come at you as a surprise or it could be part of an ongoing problem. It could come in several different forms. It could come in a telephone call in the wee hours of the morning. It could come in a telegram from a somber faced messenger. It could come in a series of diagnosis or a serious diagnosis from the doctor. It could come in the sound of squealing tires from the impact of a car that's about to collide with yours. There's a variety of ways that trouble could come. It could come in the form of a pink slip with your last paycheck that says we've got to let you go because of cutbacks and the economy. You see, sometimes it may seem like that trouble is the rule rather than the exception because there's nothing we can do to prevent it from coming, for prevent it from happening. There's nothing we can do to stop it. Although we can't control it, we can control how we react to it. We can't stop trouble. We can't predict trouble. We don't know when it's going to come. And it's for sure going to happen somewhere in your life. But how we react to that trouble when it does come our way is going to depend on the outcome in your life. We have to make a choice whether to let it make us bitter or to let it make us sweet. We have to make a choice of whether we're going to trust and believe God. God, or we're going to give up and faint by the way. I don't know about you, but I ain't found anything else that'll get me through. There's nothing else that I can depend on. There's nothing else I can lean on. I haven't found anything in my years of living that I know will bring me through except God. But God can turn things around. You see, our scripture text reveals to us a great story. It tells us of how King Hezekiah handled the trouble when it came his way. The king of Assyria sent a letter to Hezekiah and in it he boasted of the plans to destroy every kingdom that was in his path. That he was not going to stop, he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to surrender, but that he was going to keep on causing terror. He insulted the king and he belittled God. That's where he made his mistake. But Hezekiah had a plan. He knew what to do when trouble come. And it's these four things that I want to talk about for a few minutes uh, to give you some insight on what to do when trouble comes your way. The first step in Hezekiah's plan for handling trouble is he went to the house of the Lord. Most people do right the opposite. Most people let it become something that drives them away from the house of God instead of driving them to the house of God. 
They drop out of church which cuts them off from the preaching of God's Word. What does the Word do for us? The Word is what builds our faith. Our faith cometh by hearing. And hearing what? The Word of God. The Word of God is what's going to build your faith to believe beyond your tragedy, to believe beyond your storm, to believe beyond what is happening in your life, and to build your faith that you'll be able to walk through it and not faint along the way. You see, it separates them from other believers that would encourage them and bind that would bind together with them in prayer. When the devil comes along and says, well, you've got this tragedy going on. You don't need to go down there to that church. They're not concerned about you anyway. Nobody's called to check on you. Nobody's picked up the phone. Nobody sent you a letter. Nobody even cares about you. You don't need to be a part of that church. Bunch of hypocrites just going on through life just like they got everything and they don't really care about anybody. That's what the devil wants you to believe. But you know why? Because when he separates you from the body of Christ, he takes you out of the place where people will encourage your heart. You see, the devil's very, uh, he's very sly with his tactics. He wants to separate you. And when he separates you and puts you on an island to yourself, and you're alone you have no help in sight you have no help of prayer you have no help of people encouraging you or lifting you up you see the devil wants you to drop out he wants you to run away you see when we do that and we allow that to happen it takes us out of the divine presence of the Holy Ghost that would strengthen us and lift up our hearts when we let the enemy continually bombard us and convince us that we need to leave the house of God and it's not important that I'm here and it's not the thing I need to do to solve my problem. He has already won half the battle because he's took away all of your instruments of war. He's already halfway defeated you because your strength is only going to go so far on your own. You see, when a person drops out of church, it doesn't help the problem, but it only compounds the problem, and it makes it worse. Hezekiah was smart enough to know that at the onset of trouble, the only place he could find help was at the house of God. He said, I know where I'm going. I might not know how to defeat this army. I might be outnumbered. The odds might be against me. This king may have destroyed every city that's been in his path and he's got his sights set on mine and I don't have the military strength or the power to defeat him but I'm serving somebody that does have the strength and I'm going to the house of the Lord I'm going to God God will bring me through Look at what David said in Psalm 73 and 1. He said, My feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped until I went to the house of the Lord. He said, I was almost slipped. I was almost out the door. I was almost discouraged. I was almost down and out. But then I found myself in the house of the Lord and God touched me and God moved in my heart. You see, he said in Psalms 122 
and 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Oh, I know there's times, there's days do we feel like if we were really honest, we would feel like, oh no, it's Wednesday, I got to go to church. I'm going to be looked bad if I'm not there. They're going to talk about me. They're going to look bad at me. I've got to be there Sunday night or I'm going to be criticized. The preacher's going to be mad at me. Honey, it ain't your attendance I'm worried about. It's where you're at with God. It's the anointing in your life. I don't care if you come once or you come five days a week. As long as you get something when you're here. You see, friend, I believe that God can do anything if we position ourselves to a place where God can move in our heart. We've got to position ourselves where God can touch us. We've got to put ourselves in a place where God can move and minister in our need. I like David's attitude about God's house. He did, he did not let his trouble become his excuse for staying at the house. Oh, I'm hurting too bad. Oh, i got to wear this sling for another week. Oh, I'm in pain. I'm in discomfort. It tickled me this morning as I'm standing in the foyer and I look up and I see this little white SUV pulling up and the next thing you know I see this little man jump out and he's got a zing in his step and he's all happy and he's smiling and he's got two bandages on the side of his head and he's done been through surgery this week and I'm sure it would have been really, really good if he'd have just rolled over this morning or he would have stayed in that new recliner he's got and he'd have said, I'm just not going to church today but it did my heart some good to see Harold Wilson jump out of that SUV and jump on in church. He come by me and he shook my hand and he shook Jeff's at the same time. He said, I'm headed on to my class. I'll see you boys later. It done me some good. I'm here to tell you, we can choose to let it affect us if we want to, but I choose not to let it affect me because God is the only thing that's going to see me through. There's nothing else that's going to get me through. Now, I'm not selling the doctors short. I appreciate everything God's did through doctors and through medicine and through surgeries. And I, I, I appreciate everything that God's done. And I'm here to tell somebody this morning that just because you got your healing through a surgery don't mean that God didn't do it. Who do you think gave that doctor the knowledge and the skills to do what he does? It come from God. So I, I, I'm, not, I'm not one of those that thinks if you got to have surgery, you're a faithless person. I, I'm not one of those that thinks if you got to go through another resource that you didn't have enough faith to trust God. I'll take my healing any way God wants to do it. If He wants to do an instantaneous miracle and heal me on the spot, great. If He wants to work through a tool or a vessel that He's anointed, gave knowledge and wisdom and ability to, to heal heal my body, I'm not stubborn enough and, 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 and discouraged enough in my faith and, and, and dumb enough to say, well, God didn't do it. I had to go get somebody else. I got news for you. Those doctors wouldn't be as smart as they are if it hadn't been for God. 
we need to make a choice of whether or not our storm, our battles, our tragedies, our hardships is going to be something that drives us away from God or is it going to be something that drives us to God? I want to be one of those that it drives to God. You see, in Psalms 92 and 13, he says, Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord. Planted, grounded. That means that I'm not abandoning ship. It means I'm here for the long haul. It means I'm going to stay here and I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe Him. I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to accept His miracle working power any way He wants to give it to me. But I know that I'm planted in the house of the Lord. I think about it sometimes. I've been a Christian now going on 39 years. And I think about my life, and it's not just because I'm a preacher, but I just don't know how I would function, function without God. I can't imagine functioning without the Lord. I, I can't imagine functioning without being a part of a congregation. I, I can't imagine what that would be like. I, I don't think I could function that way. You see, the psalmist wrote in Psalms 84 and 2, he said, My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cries out for the living God. We need to be at a point to where our soul on Monday is longing for the house of the Lord for Wednesday night and where our heart is longing for the house of the Lord on Thursday afternoon, looking forward to Sunday morning and looking forward to what God's going to do in our midst. You see, the psalmist said in Psalms 26 and 8, he said, Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house. David said, I love your house. I love being in your presence. You see, the Apostle Paul gives us instructions about where we need to be in Hebrews 10 and 25 when he said, Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. What does exhort mean? To exhort means to urge or admonish earnestly. Paul said to exhort one another, encourage one another, lift each other up. Do it more as you see the day approaching. If there's ever been a day and time in our life as a church and as a Christian and as a believer, we need some exhorters. We need some people that are encouragers. We need some people that will come along and say, I know you're struggling. I know you're in a hard place right now. I know you're discouraged. I know things ain't worked out the way you wanted them to, but I want you to know you're my my brother, I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm here with you. You're not in this battle by yourself. That's what we need. That's what we've got to have. You see, as Christians, we need the fellowship of other believers in the house of the Lord to encourage and to build our faith. I believe that God will bless and minister when we make up our mind that we're going to be grounded in the house of God. The second step of Hezek that Hezekiah took to handle trouble was he sought the Lord immediately. He went to the house of God to find the one he knew could solve his problem. 
He didn't go consult with his military advisors or call on the neighboring king to get advice. He sought the help of the Lord as a first resort, not a last resort. He didn't exhaust all of his other resources and then seek God's help, but he sought the Lord as his first choice. As his first choice. I'm seeking God. I'm trusting the Lord. I'm believing that God's going to take care of it. I can't help but think about sometimes when I, I read about trusting God, I, I, I think back to several years ago, I, I pastored an, a, a, an older lady and she was a great part of the church. She taught a, a sanctuary class there in our church and she was a great woman of faith and she had taught that class probably 25, 30 years and she was sweet. She just had a sweet disposition and a sweet spirit about her and I remember her coming to me one Sunday morning and she said, Pastor, I need prayer and I, I need you to believe with me. And I said, what's going on? She said, I've been diagnosed. They found a, a tumor behind my, my right eye the size of a quarter and said they're talking about me having to see a neurosurgeon and trying to do all kinds of chemo and radiation to shrink it and doing this and that. But she said, you know, I'm trusting God. She said, I'm believing the Lord and I want prayer. And we prayed for her that morning, of course. And over the course of time, it went several weeks. And every service, she'd come up and she'd say, Pastor, I, I, I'm believing. I'm still believing for my healing. I'm still believing for a miracle. And I still know God's working in my behalf. And we would believe with her and the church would pray for her. And we would bind together. And we did that every service for weeks. The time finally come and... It hadn't really changed and there was no difference in the size and they set her up for surgery. They told her husband and her daughter, they said, we want to go ahead and prepare you that this is not an easy surgery, that this is a very serious surgery and said it's a very long surgery. She said, they said, you need to prepare yourself. We're looking at 10 hours in surgery. And said, so we can't guarantee what the outcome is going to be. There might be paralysis. There might be damage in her speech. There might be damage in her thought process. There might be several things that this may affect because of the location of this tumor. But I'll never forget that lady as she came up on Sunday morning before her surgery on Tuesday. She came up and she said, Pastor, I want us to have prayer one more time this morning. And I want us to believe that God's going to touch my body. She said, but before we pray, I just want to make a declaration. I said, what's that? She said, I just want to put the devil on notice. I just want him to know that if God don't instantaneously heal me, and God don't deliver me from this thing, he's going to hold my hand all the way through it. That my God has never left me over 40-something years, and God's not about to leave me now. Sure enough, we prayed for her. We're all hoping and believing that she's going to go into a follow-up, and they're going to give her the report, there is no tumor, it's gone, it's disappeared. But it didn't happen. The lady went through 10 hours of surgery, spent three days in intensive care, the fourth day when her daughter walked in, she opened her eyes, she called her by name. She named every person in the room. 
She knew everything that had happened up to that point. She knew everybody that walked in her room. She had no paralysis. She had no defective speech. She had no defects in her thinking or her mind. She was as sharp when she came out of that intensive care unit as she was when she went in. And it was all because she made a declaration. She said, God may not deliver me from this, but if He don't, He's going to hold my hand all the way through it. And I got news for you. I know we're believing for miracles. I know we're a miracle-believing church. I know we're people of faith. I know we believe that God can still do things instantaneous. But I'm here to tell somebody, if it don't happen, God will hold your hand all the way through it. No matter what you're going through. No matter where you're at. No matter what you're doing. No, God will not forsake you. Could somebody just give Him praise? Psalms 105 and 4 said, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face forevermore. Isaiah said in Isaiah 55 and 6, he said, Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He was near. Jeremiah 29 and 13 said, You shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. You'll never delay victory by stopping long enough to ask God for help. You're not delaying your victory just because you stopped long enough to say, God, I need your touch. God, I need a miracle. God, I need you to move. You know, guys, I think about it a lot of times, and as much as we hate to admit it, that we would get where we're going a whole lot quicker when we get lost if we just stop and ask for directions and do what our wife told us to, even though we don't want to do that. Sometimes we'd get an answer a lot quicker from God if we just stopped by and talked to God about it before we went off and, 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 and we tried to fix it ourselves and just said, hey God, I want to know what your plan is and God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. But God, I know you're going to be with me through every situation. God will help us through if we'll seek Him first. You see, Matthew 6 and 33 said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Luke 11 and 10 said, For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds, and to him that knocks it shall be opened. When we seek God's help is when we'll find the answers for our every need. The third step that Hezekiah took to handle trouble was He laid the whole problem on the altar before the Lord. Verse 14 of our scripture text said, Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and he spread it before the Lord. He went up there, he said, God, I've got this threatening letter and I have no power and no ability and no military strength to combat it. And when I can't do it, I brought it to you. Here it is. I'm laying it on the altar. I'm laying it right here before you in the house of God. 
God has promised us in His Word that He would answer if we would call upon Him in our time of need. How many times have we hesitated about laying it on the altar, about trusting God? We've tried to figure it out. We've tried to dissect around it. We've tried to plan it. We've tried to strategize it. We've done everything we know to do. And then when everything fails, we say, God, here it is. I lay it on the altar, and now I'm depending on you. Psalms 91 and 5 said, He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him. He said in Isaiah 65 and 24, It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Hezekiah was not only willing to seek the Lord's counsel, but he was willing to accept the Lord's answer. Many times we'll bring a need to the Lord for help, but when He answers, if we don't like the answer, we'll take it off the altar, and then we'll try to fix it ourselves. And when we should have left it on the altar to begin with for the Lord to handle. Too often we chart our own strategy and draw up our own plans for deliverance and then we take it back to the Lord and we say, God, I want you to put your stamp of approval on my plan when that wasn't His plan to begin with. You see, Isaiah 55 and 8 said this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There's no problem too big for God to handle if we'll leave it on the altar and let God handle it. And I'm going to reemphasize something. Just because you left it on the altar doesn't mean you avoid the doctor, doesn't mean you avoid surgery, doesn't mean you avoid something else. There's times God's plan is for you to let an instrument that He created fix you. The fourth step Hezekiah took to handle his trouble was this. Hezekiah took his need to the Lord in prayer. When he laid it on the altar, he prayed about it, and he left it there. He didn't just spread the letter out before the Lord, but he began to talk to God about it. I'm sure God already knew what was in the letter. He's all-knowing. There's nothing that sneaks by God. I'm sure he knew what the letter said. But I believe that it did some good for Hezekiah for him to be able to talk to God and explain the letter and say, here it is, and now I'm praying to you that you're going to deliver me. I, I put it on the altar. I brought it to you. I'm believing in you. I believe God's desire to hear us call upon Him with our needs. I believe He wants us to come to Him. As a father... If my son has a need, I expect him. I would be disappointed if he didn't come to his daddy and say, Dad, I need some help. Because if he didn't, I'd feel like that I failed him as a father because he didn't have enough confidence in me for me to take care of his need. I wonder if God ever feels like that that disappointed feeling because 
we don't trust him enough to come to him with our need. I believe God takes pleasure in the children of God coming to him and saying, Father, I need some help. I need you to touch me. You see, Isaiah said in chapter 50, 89, he said, Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer, and you shall cry, and he shall say, Here I am. Jeremiah 33 and 3 said, Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you did not know. He said, I've got things you don't even know about. I've got resources you ain't thought about. I've got plans you don't know that I put in effect. Come to me. Talk to me about it. Luke 11 and 9 said, I say unto you, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Paul said in 1 Timothy 2 and 8, I will, there, I, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. He said in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, Pray without ceasing. He said in Philippians 4 and 6, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. God wants us to bring our needs to Him. He wants us to come to Him. And He wants us to let Him help us. When Hezekiah had prayed, God answered his prayer. When you look in verse 36, this is the results of his prayer. Then the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. When the people arose early the next morning, there was dead corpses all through the valley. God answered prayer. Hezekiah never had to slant, he never had to shoot one arrow, throw one spear. He never had to go to hand-to-hand combat with a sword or a shield. He never had to maneuver anything. All he had to do was trust God. And God did what needed to be done. God is bigger than your problem if you'll let him be God. He will help you with whatever situation you're facing in your life. If you'll allow him to. If you'll just be faithful to God's house. Seek the Lord's help first. Lay the problem before the Lord on the altar and leave it there. And then pray about it. God will take care of your problem. 